Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Business Systems Summit, and in this session, we're going to be chatting with Brent Hodgson. Now, I've known Brent for years, and I knew him when he was involved with Market Samurai, and we kept in touch, and he's become a good friend. We were even involved in the same mastermind for a little while there. Now, he's got a diverse range of skills from marketing to copywriting to tech to even travel hacking, and I think in a past life, he must have been a private detective. He's just got some great research skills. Now, in his session, he's going to be teaching us how to systemize creative work. So it's with great pleasure that I get to welcome Brent to the Systems Summit. Thank you, David. What I want to share with you guys today is a system for creative work and how to get incredible results from this system, even with new and inexperienced staff. By way of introduction, the way that I developed this system is through my work fixing dead websites. And to me, a dead website is a website that just isn't performing the way that it should be as a sales or marketing asset. Now, websites to me, an asset in a business, and they're a sales and marketing asset that should be driving leads into the business, making sales and generating profit for the business. To me, a dead website is a site that really isn't performing at its true potential in these three areas. What I've developed a skill in doing is um, improving these websites and making them perform, you know, the way that they should be. In some ways, I'm like a personal trainer for websites. The way that I do this is through conversion rate optimization. You might have heard of something called split testing. And the way that split testing works is you take your existing website, another version of the site, something that's got some creative changes to it, something that you might expect to work better than what's already on your website at the moment. And you test these two versions of the website against each other and you see which one you know, makes more sales or generates more leads or is more profitable. The problem with this process is generating that second on third and fourth version of the website to test requires some creativity and some out-of-the-box thinking. You need to be really good with the way that you write, especially if you want to speak to clients that are visiting your website for the first time that you're hoping to make the sale with on that first visit. You also need to have a bit of a graphical, you know, creative eye to see where the tweaks that you could be making on a website visually would be best made. And you also need to have some technical design creativity and to know what the technology is capable of and how you can make the systems and processes more streamlined around your website. Now, these three areas, these are skills that I've developed over nearly two decades building websites and working on online marketing, starting with a part-time job while I was still in high school, building websites on the side for clients. When I started to get in a lot of clients in this conversion optimization business, the problem that I faced very quickly was that I hit a problem of scale. I only have so many hours in the day and I'm only capable of doing so many of these 
projects at once. So if I wanted to scale up, I needed to find a way to give my creative DNA to someone else so that they could achieve the same sort of results that I could achieve by myself. Now, there are some myths when it comes to creativity. Typically, the way that people scale up in business is, uh, particularly in um, creative businesses, is they scale up by hiring highly skilled and typically very expensive creative staff. So a really good, really creative graphic designer, you know, they could be quite a substantial hit to your payroll. The reason or the myth behind doing this is because a lot of people believe that the kind of creative skills and experience that those sort of staff members provide is impossible to get otherwise. You see, the myth is that creativity is impossible to systemize or learn or to develop as a culture within an organization. Steve Jobs has a really great quote around creativity. And the upshot of it is this. Most creative people don't realize how they're being creative or what they're thinking when they come up with great creative ideas. And for them, things just click. Those creative people connect pieces of creative wisdom or creative experience together in new and novel ways. And this is sort of the secret to Apple's success. In fact, one of the uh, things that you might not know about Steve Jobs is the reason why fonts became such a big part of personal computing was because Steve Jobs took a calligraphy class in university and he applied that creativity into creating a, I'm going to say, a really pleasant and visually appealing um, system inside the Mac. Now, this is the thought process. You know, creativity is a thought process. And like all processes, if it can be thought, you can remove that creative process from someone's brain and push it into a step-by-step system. The first thing that you're going to need is to make the experience accessible to everyone that's following your system. So, you know, the kinds of experiences that Steve Jobs had through his calligraphy background, you need to make that kind of experience accessible in what you're doing in your system. Sometimes it's going to be easier in some systems than others. But basically what you're trying to do is take the burden of creativity off your staff and put it into the system. The way to do this is to compile all of your best most creative ideas, concepts, and theories into a central resource. Essentially, we're talking about building a memory bank of experience or a knowledge base or a collection of wisdom around creativity. Perhaps that's a swipe copy or a swipe file of copy and text, such as a copywriter like uh, Gary Halbert might use or, or John Carlton might use. Or perhaps it's a sample book or a style resource. The purpose of this resource is to be like a fashion magazine or like Pinterest. If you were to read a fashion magazine or go through Pinterest before you go shopping, you're going to have a good idea of the latest styles and trends and how to put them together in an outfit that looks good, even if you're not a fashionista yourself. This is sufficient for a system in and of itself, just having that sort of resource that you can tap into. But if you want to build on this, 
and to make sure that your system constantly improves. You're going to need a way to measure the outcomes that your creative work delivers and to know whether or not something has a positive impact or a negative impact or to know whether or not something has been successful or unsuccessful. Now, for me, when it comes to conversion rate optimization, this is really easy. Each change to a website's creative is supposed to increase sales. So if I change a button or a little bit of text or a headline or a menu bar or add a pop-up or take a pop-up away, does it increase the sales or does it fail to increase the sales? Is it successful or is it unsuccessful? And how successful has it been? I only know this if I'm measuring the outcomes that I'm achieving. I also measure client feedback and the issues that arise during the project and use this as a source of feedback as well. Because these are also important outcomes, both internally and in terms of external client satisfaction for me to be looking at. If you don't have, say, a financial outcome or an engineering outcome that you're looking for in your creative system, then perhaps you're going to be focusing on client feedback and having some sort of quantitative or qualitative measure of client satisfaction. And perhaps you're also going to be looking at the issues that arise during the project and efficiencies and inefficiencies that um, affect the quality of the project. What you then do with this measured outcome is to turn it into experience, you know, to learn from it, essentially. So you combine these two elements, making experience accessible and measuring the outcomes, to feeding back into the experience that you have in your knowledge base so that good and bad outcomes result in changes to your knowledge base. The premise behind it is basically this. You're looking at a system that evolves or a creative system that evolves and improves. So in your knowledge base, you've got some really good theory And when you're measuring things, you're looking for a really good result. If you've got something that's good theory and you get a good result, you end up in this green section here where you improve outcomes for yourself and for clients. If you end up with something that is good theory, but it doesn't deliver a good result or doesn't deliver the result that you expect, then you have something that's good theory And maybe you need to refine that theory a bit. You need to refine that knowledge. Sometimes unexpected things happen. And, you know, something will happen that's very positive, but it fits outside of your existing sphere of knowledge or your sphere of theory. Or you might pick up something that someone else is doing or see something that your client's done that's been very successful. And you learn from this. It expands your knowledge. Now, for me, I didn't begin with a great conversion optimization system. I began originally with some very well-meaning theory, and then I tested it and monitored the results. If things worked and they improved the outcomes that we achieved for clients, then we kept using what we learned. We were in this green section. If things didn't work, we refined our theories, wisdom, knowledge base, all got updated. And if things did work, but not in ways that we expected. It gave us new opportunities to expand our knowledge and our system. So this is the basic premises premises of what a good creative system looks like. 
So let's have a look at putting this in practice and I'll show you exactly how my conversion optimization process works. This is the basic outline. This is the flowchart for my conversion optimization system. And as you see, it runs top to bottom, mostly in a single line of flow down the left there. A client comes in, we review our knowledge base to prepare analysis on what they should improve on their website. We prepare mockups based on our analysis of the design tweaks that we'll do. We ask for the client's feedback. We implement those tweaks. We do Q&A testing for any bugs that we've, you know, that any bugs with anything that we've changed. Because every now and again, when you implement something on a client's website, things don't quite go to plan. You know, there's a little bit of JavaScript or CSS here that mucks everything up. We then ask the client to do their own reviews because they knew, know their, their website better than what we do, just to be safe. Once everyone's happy, we set the changes live, and then we monitor the results that we achieved during the split test and report on what we find. Then at the end, if the client chooses to, we repeat the same process the next month. They come back in, we review our knowledge base, we provide some analysis, prepare mockups, ask for feedback, implement the tweaks, do Q&A testing, ask the client for their own reviews, just to be safe, set the changes live, monitor results, and then report on them. And again, and again, and again, and again. So you can see how this system is this beautifully streamlined, slippery process that we can follow consistently and get some really good and really consistent results. Having a look at that first point, making that experience accessible, we have a knowledge base behind what we do. And it's split up into these four, I suppose, chapters and these 12 sub-chapters. So the compel, communicate, connect, and comfort chapters. And then underneath each one of these chapters, compel, for example, we have tests to do with urgency, value, relevance, in communicate, patterning, phrasing, visibility, and so on and so forth. And each, underneath each one of these sub-chapters, we have individual ideas, theories, and tests, proven results that we've seen before, or the best theory that we have at the moment that we need to test and we need to develop proven results on. So then we can, you know, learn from it and confirm whether or not it works. For the most part, underneath each one of these 12 areas, we're pretty heavily, you know, we've got pretty solid case studies under each one of them. I'm gonna show you one of them here. This is a case study for the distraction section. Let me just flick back and I'll show you where distraction fits. Distraction is in that red area up the very top, underneath comfort at, what's that, 11 o'clock on the clock there. So this uh, is an example of exactly what our case studies look like, except they use a slightly different font in our, <laughs> in our case study document. So this is a case study of a test that we ran for Nando's, which is a chicken franchise. It runs globally, but it's got a particularly large number of stores in Australia. When we tested Nando's online ordering portal, Nando's experienced a 416% increase in sales when their side menu was removed from their website. 
And it was because this side menu was proving to be a distraction. People would decide on a particular menu item and then go back and decide again and decide again and decide again and change their mind over and over again, over again until they ran out of time or ran out of energy and simply didn't proceed with their purchase. By removing this distracting menu item over here that's highlighted in red, we were able to basically quadruple sales. Notice how the knowledge base article here, or the, the case study, is structured. It's mostly visual with a small line of text outlining the effect of the visual change. The reason why we do this is, well, the reason why it's visual is because we're working in a visual medium. So everything needs to be explained visually in what we do. And the reason why we keep the text really short and pithy is because we've got 12 chapters of this stuff. And if we were to, you know, have five to 10 case studies underneath each chapter, it would take a long time to review each one of these case studies. So you want to keep them really short and pithy if you want people to just be able to, you know, flick through these knowledge base resources. Going back on to our process here, we've made experience accessible. Now we need to measure outcomes. You've seen one of the ways that we're measuring outcomes, and that's in terms of the percentage improvements to key performance indicators here. So for example, a 416% increase in sales. Another way that we're increasing or measuring outcomes is measuring the feedback that we receive from clients. So I mentioned before that we record everything very visually. When we're dealing with websites, the way that we record things visually very quickly and very easily is through a tool called Balsamic. And Balsamic is a really, really quick, really neat mock-up tool. And it's, it's an Adobe Air app, so it works on Macs and PCs. And it's really the ideal tool for quickly and clearly communicating website design changes. We send these mock-ups to the client for feedback. And this is super important in what we do. Often you'll find clients that are in, for example, financial planning or property investing. They have various regulations and, and compliance issues that they need to comply with. And if we don't really understand that industry as deeply as what they do, and really they do you know, understand the industry much more deeply than we do, then they're going to be able to provide feedback on how we can tweak what we say to make sure it complies with regulations, to make sure it's on point, to make sure it's speaking to what the client's real needs are. Sometimes clients can get also a little bit protective about their websites and have little bits that they just don't like to change. So it's really important to get that feedback really early on in the process because if we don't and we implement the changes you know, we could spend thousands of dollars implementing some of these changes only to have the client say, no, nah, I don't want to do that. So we get feedback early and we get feedback often. And we also draw a line under feedback. So if you've said that uh, you want or you're happy with the changes as we've displayed them, that's it. You know, we've displayed them very clearly, we've uh, very concisely. Everyone's on the same page here. There's no changing your mind. We won't be editing that particular element. We're either running with it or we're cutting that element immediately and not running the test for that particular element. So the key here is to make sure that you've got some really clear tools for communicating whatever it is that you're doing. 
If you're doing website changes, I highly recommend Balsamic mockups, or if you're doing web design, I highly recommend Balsamic. If you're doing video, storyboarding is the way to do what you're doing. If you're doing physical design, sketches by far are the best. Basically, you want something that's really quick, really cheap, really fast, and really clear that you can communicate to make sure that you have everyone on the same page. This is what things should look like. And if you've got any feedback, tell me now based on these sketches. So we've made experience accessible. We've measured outcomes both in terms of the results that we're getting for the client and also the feedback that we're getting from the client. We're also measuring, as we go through this process, the outcomes that we're getting from the system itself. So along the flowchart here, you'll notice that there's a section here around resolving issues and updating systems. Whenever we encounter an issue, for example, to do with the code that we're using to implement some of these changes, we make a point of recording that issue. And if there's a way that we can change things to make sure that that issue never happens again, then we do it. In fact, there's a line on my computer, there's a little bit of text taped to my monitor that says, how do I do this so I don't have to do it again? As the book Rework says, um, mistakes are costly. And if you have to consistently make those same mistakes over and over again, it's going to add a substantial burden to the business. So what we're looking for here is ways that we can streamline the process as soon as problems happen so they don't happen for the next client. The third point here, turning learning into experience. Well, this is where we implement what we learn back into our system. So if we do a test and that test performs particularly well, we immediately add that concept, that test back into the knowledge base. And as you were seeing before, we're using the feedback that we get from the test to expand our knowledge, refine our knowledge, and to improve the outcomes that we're achieving for clients. So this is the basic premise of a really great creative system. You want to make the experience or the knowledge or the wisdom that a creative person has accessible to everyone who is using your system. You want to measure the outcomes of your creative work and you want to use that as a feedback loop to learn from and turn that learning into new and better experience that sits inside your system that people can use. You've just been listening to the System Hub Podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now.